know the why human trafficking work is needed to fight for the freedom of modern day slaves. But love, passion, commitment isn't all you need to be an effective and successful anti-trafficking advocate. Learn the how. I'm Dr. Celia Williamson, Director of the Human Trafficking and Social Justice Institute at the University of Toledo. Welcome to the Emancipation Nation podcast, where I'll provide you with the latest and best methods, policy, and practice discussed by experienced experts in the field so that you can cut through the noise, save time, and be about the work of saving lives. Welcome to the Emancipation Nation episode 155. Today we have a special guest. She is in India doing great work, and I love talking to powerful and smart strategic women. So today we're talking to Suda. And Suda, say your entire name because it is complicated for me as a as an American, but say your name. Thank you, Celia. Uh, my name is Sudha Upadhyayula. You are doing some amazing work in India through the My Choices Foundation. And so can you talk a little bit about how you got to My Choices Foundation, and then we'll talk a little bit about what you do. Yeah, I started off my career in corporates, and after uh, 18, year, I, 18 years, I realized that my passion actually lay with uh, the social work, and I was looking out for opportunities, and My Choices uh, job offer came through, and uh, uh, it was now over six years that I'm in this uh, company. and. Uh, I've learned a lot, learned a lot this six years. I'm also proud of what I have been able to contribute. Uh, my corporate experience helped me bring the structure into the organization, set the standardized processes and protocols. And uh, that definitely lay a foundation for the growth of our programs for from 100 programs when I joined in to 7,000 plus programs uh, uh, villages covered until now. Yeah, because you really brought... Um, like you said, the structure, but the strategy, the the way of reaching thousands of people, um, you know, in in a very smart way. So can you talk about what My Choices Foundation does? I mean, I know they do a lot, but particularly in terms of human trafficking prevention. Yes. Uh, when we started My Choices Foundation 10 years ago, and uh, while working on Operation Peacemaker, the Domestic Violence Counseling Center, we realized there were many cases of trafficking coming up. And we wanted to understand what was the root cause. And uh, looking at the statistics, et cetera, we realized uh, every few minutes a girl is being trafficked and only 1% is rescued. So what is happening to the rest of 99%? Where are they going? Uh, and we soon saw that it is they are becoming nameless and faceless. They're not on population radar too. So we wanted to rescue them in sense, uh, prevent them from ever getting trafficked in the first place. And uh, then we commissioned a behavioral research to understand the supply and demand side of the sex trafficking. And the outcome of that laid the foundation for our safe village program. And the entire uh, prevention program uh, is it, it's a two-day program that we go into the villages and conduct uh, awareness activities. And the entire thing uh, is based on a positive messaging framework. Uh, 
And the reason we have done is we again realize that all the awareness programs, they work on the concept of don't do this, don't do that kind of a messaging. And people, uh, they withdraw when they hear that kind of a message. They don't really uh, accept uh, the preaching from other people. Not even children like to be told what to be done, what not to be done. So uh, we have been able to build a messaging in such a way that it's all positive and that brings out the protective instincts in the people. So for fathers, we have a message called good fathers. So we say, you're a good father. A good father is like a farmer. A good farmer nurtures the crops uh, until they are mature. The same way a good farmer also nurtures, good father also nurtures the kids until they're mature enough. So uh, in that way, we have for mothers, we call them informed mothers. And we tell them, you may not be the decision maker, but you have the ability to influence the decision. And uh, you can be, you can influence decision only if you have information, if you are informed about everyone, everything that's happening in the society. And for girls, we have a message called cool, uh, uh, for boys, cool boys or smart boys. For girls, we say guardian girls. So every strata of population, we have targeted messaging. And that's actually helping us reach out to the community. And they immediately understand what we are trying to say. Uh, and that it is for their own benefit. So almost uh, we get very good uh, testimonials that uh, the program is really impactful. Too. I think that is so smart to appeal to each person to target the message to each person, but not in a negative way about don't do this, don't do that, but it's appealing to their role, who they are, and what they're invested in in doing. So if you are a good father, you know, this is your role. And so I'm just appealing to your natural role. Or if you're a mother, you know, I want to be informed. All mothers want to be informed so that they can help protect their children. And you know, the message is targeted to boys and to girls. I think it's yes. so smart. And so how does the My Choices Foundation get this message, get these people trained? Do you use facilitators or and, and how do you do that? Yeah. Uh, again, in the initial stages itself, we realize India is such a diverse country and uh, geographically, linguistically, culturally also. And if we have to be effective, we need to understand the aspects that are there within that locality. And uh, we didn't have that skill set. And it is very resource intensive to have employees across the country too. So we went with the partnership model and uh, we used the snowflake model and uh, we uh, identify the states that are highly vulnerable to trafficking uh, using the government reports, the National Crime Bureau reports. And once we have identified a state, we select villages through our, uh, that is suggested by our vulnerability mapping tool. And this is a tool that we have built using uh, uh, big data analytics uh, with the support of Quantium Data Analytics, uh, who have helped us build this uh, uh, entire tool we know which village is more vulnerable compared to the others. So in that targeted state, we select the villages which are highly vulnerable and we identify the local NGOs there. We bring them together and conduct a three-day training program for them. 
and we trained them on the entire the research the behavioral research what was the outcome what is the safe village program which is our flagship prevention program and uh, how do how should they deliver the messages on ground and how to not uh, really you know negatively impact the sensitivities there how to be careful about it and uh, another important thing is trafficking is a big taboo subject it's not openly spoken about in the society and uh, and sex trafficking is even more so labor maybe some people talk but uh, it's a no no to talk in the society and especially if we have to alert the children the adolescent who are the riskiest population we have to be very sensitive to their uh, the, to the culture uh, and the needs of the society so we have a very structured program and uh, the field trainers who go and conduct the programs are very well trained on all these aspects and uh, uh, they uh, we go to the schools conduct the program with the boys with the girls ideally we prefer both of them to be together because we have messages like cool boys and uh, guardian girls and then each one listens to the other message it brings even more of an impact and uh, they know they can talk about this subject without shame and that brings out a better impact in the for the program too for us and uh, in the communities we talk to the fathers the mothers and the community leader over the past 19 years the international human trafficking and social justice conference has welcomed thousands of attendees from all 50 states and from 47 countries we are the largest and oldest academic conference on human trafficking in the world Our 19th annual conference will be hosted virtually this year on September 21st through the 23rd. You will have the opportunity to learn from and collaborate with thousands of advocates, researchers, providers, and survivors from across the globe. This will be our largest conference to date with over 110 breakout sessions featuring 175 expert presenters. speaking about various topics related to human trafficking and social justice issues. Make sure you are part of the conversation and don't miss out. Find out more and register today on our website, traffickingconference.com. Along with that and our programs have been constantly evolving. Uh so when the program the program has been impactful, we get the testimonials, everything is good. But what we realized is the awareness the knowledge might last for a year even if it is impactful after that it slowly wanes down so we wanted to build a sustainable model there so we started enlisting volunteers on ground uh, whom we call gram mitras or the friends of the village the rakshaks or the protectors of the village the nodal teachers who are there for the children because children spend majority of the time in schools so these are the volunteers that are helping us sustain the impact that we have created and also reiterating the messages constantly regularly in the community so that people keep remembering and wow. another uh, uh, unique uh, uh, aspect of our programs is the uh, helpline we operate india's only exclusive uh, helpline targeted at uh, sex trafficking and we have uh, re- received over 60000 calls in this last 5 years 
uh, and we have able to help resolve 500 plus cases and the cases include child marriages domestic violence and trafficking multiple other related issues too wow there is so much going on here in terms of you are really integrating best practice with research and evaluation and providing a feedback loop so that yes. you're continually learning continually learning what you should be doing next so you you have this mapping tool that kind of tells you where the vulnerable areas are where the high risk people are that's what we're working on in Ohio we're doing that right now um mapping doing a research project where we're mapping out who's vulnerable who's at risk where those regions are because you only have so much money power influence time and you have to strategically target those areas that are in most the greatest need then you are educating people on the ground who have the cultural sensitivity the cultural competence they speak the language they understand their community best so they should be the ones to deliver the message the message is then crafted in a way that the receiver has already bought in because that is who they are and that's the role that they play. You train the people in your community, you listen and gather the feedback and you create the change that's needed and evolve based on the feedback. I mean, that is the way to really lay out a program. And so at this point, how many partners uh, across India would you say that you have? Uh, we have over 105 partners, uh, partner NGOs working across the country. And uh, we have reached over 7,000 villages until now. And we can proudly say we are India's largest prevention program. Uh, not even government had that scale until now. And uh, uh, along with that, I also wanted to talk about the, the methodology. Uh, we use comic books as a medium, as a tool to deliver the message to uh, comic books are something which are attractive to all generations yeah it's colorful and uh, with the story uh, in the story format we bring out the narrative about a girl that has been trafficked and uh, because of that people easily talk about the trafficking the discussion opens up actually and uh, that's another tool that children treasure and keep with them and we also have our uh, helpline number listed in that. So that's an easy reference. Whenever they need, uh, they know they can reach out to us through that. That's amazing. And the fact that you have volunteers there to provide ongoing care if needed, along with the helpline. And comic yes. book is just a genius way to do it. And having girls and boys to be able to dialogue together to hear each other's perspective is something that we don't do much of uh, in the U.S. in terms of human trafficking prevention. So I think that's also a great idea. If someone is, you know, desiring to do a prevention program or they want their program to evolve um, and do some best practice, what would you suggest that, that they do? Where should they start? Understand the culture, the uh, the landscape, landscape of the uh, the country there, the area that they wanted to work on, and understand the issues that are there happening. So 
uh, trafficking is actually called a basket of crimes. It's not one isolated thing. It's multiple causes that lead to that. For us, we, now we are working with Telangana Police, the state we are, where we are there. We realize that uh, child marriages, children elope because uh, they are influenced by the movies and the social media and they want to run away with someone they love. They think uh, they, they can make a better life. That's become a big vulnerability factor now. And similarly, uh, child marriages, children are forced to get married by their parents. And the parents, on the other hand, get the children married off because uh, they fear that uh, they might elope with someone. Hmm. So it's an, uh, uh, everything working together. Uh, so what we try to do is identify what is the issue in that area. And what is it that is leading to people to trafficking? And, uh, uh, and also another thing we can uh, uh, also look at is how are traffickers functioning there in that area? Yep. Uh, is it online exploitation that's spreading so fast now? And uh, uh, is it, uh, you know, uh, people actually physically trafficking the uh, children and how are they is it the lover boy concept that is happening? So understand what is happening in the area, then work out a strategy. And uh, like how we have designed based on the behavioral research, I think that's the way to go. Because unless we change the behavior of the community, the issue cannot be tackled. Yeah, I agree. I, I mean, understanding the culture of your community, I mean, for instance, in my community, um, some similarities where where young yes. people might believe that they are in love or this person loves them and is going to take care of them, but they end up beating them, selling them. But even yeah. still, they may yeah. still believe that this person loves them and that life yes. will get better over time and that sort of thing. So understanding that, but we yeah. have some people in our community that they don't understand that. So they think trafficking is you're walking down the street and somebody snatches you into a, yeah. a van and you're changed. And when you don't understand the culture and the experience, then you can begin to do yeah. the wrong things instead of respond to the way that it, it does happen. So yeah. I appreciate that so much. And do you have any advice for people that are wanting to get involved in anti-trafficking work and they want they want to do the best job that they can do uh where would you suggest they start and and where should they you know begin yeah uh so uh my choices we have uh built in a course digital learning modules and we've put that on udemy so that gives an understanding about the entire landscape of the trafficking so uh I think they should start off with understanding the landscape first. So courses like that will be the first step. And they can definitely reach out to us if they are interested in, uh, you know, understanding our model further and probably take it, take it into their locality. We are always open. Uh, we are open sharing our resources. We believe that it should be like, you know, available to everyone. And uh, uh, that's one first step. Yeah. Understanding the landscape. And so where do they, where would they go to find information um, related to India and India's issues? Um, do, yeah, is there a website? 
Yes. Uh, so our website is www.mychoicesfoundation.org. Okay. And uh, my email ID is sudha, S-U-D-H-A, at mychoicesfoundation.org. And please feel free to reach out to me. And we are more than happy to share uh, whatever our experiences are. And uh, we believe in uh, sharing. Yeah. Not reinventing the wheels. Yeah. Thank you so much, Suda. I mean, this this community worldwide, um, our sort of what I call our emancipation nation, but our community worldwide is just just seems to be very generous in terms of sharing their knowledge and sharing their resources. And I think we have a shared vision of a world of people that are able to live free. And we like to talk to people. We like to share with people. And so thank you so much for just reaffirming that message that we're all in the same boat trying to serve the same mission. So thank you so much again, Suda. I appreciate your time and you are a wonderful wealth of knowledge and are doing such an impactful job um, in India. And I, I hope your process will be used all over the world. It seems like an, an excellent way to talk about prevention. So thank you. Thank you, Celia. Thanks for the opportunity too. And yeah. wish everyone the best. And let me spell her last name for you because I had a difficult time saying it. It's U, P as in Paul, A, D as in dog, H, Y, A, Y, U, L, A. My Choices Foundation wonderful organization in India. And here's why it's so brilliant, because they actually used strategy. They looked across the region and they said, how are we going to promote awareness so that we can um, begin to prevent this from happening across villages? Now, villages might have different dialect. They might have different uh, cultural norms. And how are we going to learn all of this? Well, what we'll do is we'll identify those communities and villages that are at high risk. We'll go in, we will train the people there. They already have the cultural knowledge, and then they will apply it in ways that are culturally competent. That's brilliant. Then they discovered that their message might wane over the course of a year. So how can we sustain this? Oh, we'll ask for volunteers that can be across these communities that can respond. Now, sometimes when we do prevention and awareness campaigns, uh, particularly in the U.S. or uh, wherever we might be, we might put one message out there. And we think that it applies evenly and equally to all types of people, all types of groups of people. And we would be wrong. So I'm not a marketing specialist or anything like that, but we have to start thinking about the target population. Who are Who is this message for? So we know that, particularly in the U.S., the five high-risk populations are people of color, kids in poverty, people with disabilities, uh, foreign-born people, and LBGTQ populations. Those are the populations at high risk. 
And anybody that's been involved in juvenile court or child protection, uh, run away from home or homeless, um, speaking particularly about young people. Um, So if we know these are the high-risk populations and these are the high-risk characteristics, then perhaps we should target our message to speak to the targeted population in the targeted locations where they frequent. So when we think about awareness raising, we typically think we have to go out and do a human trafficking 101 presentation. And that's one way, but there are brochures, there's social media, there's billboards, uh, all kinds of ways that we can get our message across to the targeted population in the vernacular that they speak and within the targeted locations that they frequent. And we don't we don't think about that enough. And that's what they're doing in India. So we need to learn to frame the issue correctly so that we can speak to the people who need to hear the message. So, you know, step one, we need to identify the target or the population that we really want to inform uh, about human trafficking. And then we want to think about the targeted outcomes, like what do we want, you know, think about the end in mind. What do we want to walk away with? We want this community educated. We want this community aware. We want the people that are at risk aware. If they're kids, do we want the kids aware? And also the parents and the professionals and the neighbors and the family members that interact with these kids, because those messages when we have that in mind, might be slightly different. Then um, let's determine the locations and what are the various settings? Should we have people who are professionals in mental health and substance abuse and juvenile court and child protection? They certainly should be trained to identify. But the people that come into their buildings, they should be trained or educated, or there should be materials there. What about particular neighborhoods, particularly those in poverty, because poverty is a high risk factor. How can we infuse information in those neighborhoods, in those schools, around those grocery stores, laundromats? Um, Perhaps we could hold focus groups with people from those target populations and find out what is the best way to get information across to people like you. Where should I put this information? What vernacular should I use? What's what's a common way that you get information across to people? And then we can evaluate it. Of course, I'm always gonna say that, right? Because I'm from a university, I think we should implement and always evaluate our work to see, you know, have we been effective in what we do? And look, marketing campaigns do this all the time with Pepsi and Coca-Cola. They do this all the time. Some years back, you know, uh, Mountain Dew had a problem. Their sales were going down because it was really, you know, Mountain Dew back in the day was really connected with more rural people. Um, It had a certain image. And so when you... uh, want to infuse it into an urban environment or big cities where a lot of people can 
can purchase the product. It just wasn't moving off the shelves. And so they moved to have a campaign where they had some hip hop artists involved in drinking Mountain Dew and talking about Mountain Dew because they wanted to appeal to people in large cities. And of course the sales went up. So, um, you know, there are various campaigns. Um, it was a campaign in Phoenix uh, called the Not Worth It campaign. Um, there's a pretty edgy campaign. Um, I don't know who does it, but it's um, the called the F-bomb. And, you know, we all know what dropping the F-bomb literally means. Um, but in their campaign, the F-bomb meant friend. The F meant friend. And so dropping the F-bomb means educating your friend on various aspects, whatever the campaign was wanting to educate on. But, you know, how would you speak to the LBGTQIA community if that were your target? How would you speak to particular young people or families of color, depending if they're um, Latinx communities, if they're indigenous communities, if they're black communities, how would you target your campaign? And so I think if, you know, if we're serious about raising awareness, we can't just put one message out there because, right? Because that just says that everybody's like me. It just goes back to, you know, um, everybody speaks like me. Everybody thinks like me. Everybody is me. I don't see color. Everybody is the same. <laughs> and you can see the problems with that. So when we're really interested in raising awareness, then we have to think about people who are different than us, people who are at high risk. And how do we get the messages that we so desperately need to get across to them across in the most effective way. That's what Suda has been doing. It is very successful. They've managed to reach thousands. They have over 105 different partners across India. And so we've got to think just as big. Until next time, the fight continues. Let's not just do something. Let's do the best thing. If you like this episode of Emancipation Nation, please subscribe and I'll send you the weekly podcast. Until then, the fight continues.